If you have a, a copy of God's Word, I left mine on the pew. I have it memorized, don't worry. Just kidding, I don't. Uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 10. We're going to start reading in verse 34 this morning, but before we do, have you ever waited a really long time for something? Of course, when you're, you're younger, this may still be true even if you're older, right? That could be like Christmas or your birthday. Um, you know, like it just seems to never come and then, you know, you get on the other side of Thanksgiving and this anticipation is building and building and building and, and then it finally arrives. But have you ever waited a really, really long time for something? Uh, maybe it's a, a spouse, maybe it's a job change, maybe you're still waiting for something that hasn't happened yet. That happens in the Bible. Um, near the beginning of the Bible, God tells a man named Abraham that God is going to bless all of the families of the world through his family. And then as Abraham's family grows and grows and grows and becomes the, the people, the nation of Israel, and as the years turn into decades, which turn into centuries which turn into millennium, that promise, God's blessing to the nations through Abraham, never, never gets fulfilled. It's kind of a question mark, one of many question marks, really, at the end of the Old Testament uh, about God's promises. Why has the blessing to the nations not come? Well, today, we're going to read about that moment, about the moment when God makes good on that promise. And it's such an important moment, not only in the book of Acts, not only in the Bible, but in the history of Christianity in the world, that Luke actually tells it three times. He tells it in chapter 10, he repeats it in chapter 11, and then he references it again in chapter 15. And it's the moment that the good news of Jesus goes from the Jews to the Gentiles. You see, if this moment doesn't happen, then, well, you and I aren't sitting here. Uh, we would still be worshiping probably many gods. Uh, who, knows, who knows where we would be? Uh, but prior to this moment, what we call Christianity really was a Jewish thing. That it was just a, a group of people within Judaism who were following Jesus. But after this moment... Uh, the floodgates are wide open, and the good news of Jesus and God's blessing goes out to all the nations. And it starts right here in Acts chapter 10. Uh, and just by way of reminder, we actually started this last week when we met a man named Cornelius, a Roman centurion. Uh, Cornelius is a Gentile. He's not Jewish, but he is a God-fearer, which most likely meant uh, means that um, he had rejected uh, the, the, the polytheism of his past. He rejected the worship of many gods to worship the one true God, the God of Israel. And uh, he prays to the God of Israel. He gives generously to the poor. So there's lots of things about Judaism that he likes and participates in. But 
He's not a full convert. He has not accepted circumcision. He does not obey the food laws, right? And so from the perspective of a Jewish person, Cornelius would be unclean. And yet, uh, one day when Cornelius is praying, he receives a vision uh, from an angel, from God, telling him to go and search for Peter. You may remember Peter. He's the leader of Jesus' original 12 disciples or one of the leaders. And so Cornelius sends for him. And while his servants are going to get Peter, Peter himself has a vision. And you may remember it's kind of a strange vision. While Peter is praying, he sees a a tablecloth coming down out of heaven. And on that tablecloth are animals from all over the world. Uh, And for a Jewish person... There were clean animals and unclean animals, animals they could eat and animals they couldn't. And, and a voice, uh, the voice from heaven tells Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Eat these animals. And Peter says no. I don't know if you've ever heard a voice from heaven. I feel like that would be hard to say no to, but Peter doesn't mind saying no. Uh, and so Peter says, no, I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Far be it for me to do such a thing. And God's voice says, do not call common what God has made clean. And we looked at the significance of that statement last week. We're going to tease it more out today. But uh, that, that vision, Peter sees that happen three times. Here's that voice three times. And then it's all gone, and Peter's just kind of left confused as to what in the world that means. These Gentiles show up. They're looking for Peter. The Holy Spirit tells Peter to go with them to Cornelius' house. And so they make the trip. And here's what Peter says when he gets to Cornelius' house. It's in chapter 10, verse 28. He says, You yourselves know how unlawful, and we said that word meant taboo, how taboo it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. It's now beginning to click for Peter. It wasn't about food, though the food laws have been done away with, so congratulations, you can eat bats. You're welcome. Um, It wasn't just about food, but underneath that, God is making a point about people. That God does not make distinctions between people. And we're going to talk more about that today. And so Peter asked why they've sent for him. And Cornelius summarizes for him the vision and what the, what the angel told him. And he says this, and we'll start reading now in verse 33. Cornelius says, So I sent for you at once, and you've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel... Preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. This is God's word. Just like him, it is holy, it is good, it is infallible, and he gives it to us because he loves us. May he bless the reading and hearing and preaching of it. Amen. So this morning, again, this is kind of a a part two to what we looked at last week. But I just want to look at a few of the salient parts of Peter's message. Here he's been invited into the home of a Gentile. Uh, Here he's been commanded by God to give these Gentiles a message. Uh, And so a couple things that we're going to see. First, we're going to see that God doesn't play favorites. Peter says as much. Then we're going to see that Jesus is literally for everyone. Or we should say maybe all kinds of people. Jesus is for everyone. And then finally, we're going to see God bridge the gap. So first, uh, God doesn't play favorites. Uh, The very first thing that Peter says there in verse 34, as he opens up his sermon, is he says, now I get it. Now I see that God shows no partiality. Now, Peter's a good Jewish man. He, He would have known that God was impartial. He would have known about the promise Uh, the promises to Abraham. Uh, He would have read Psalms like we did at the beginning of the worship service. It said, let the nations be glad. So Peter had a a, a mental, uh, a mental understanding, a mental grasp maybe of those things, but not a functional understanding. That really hadn't hit home until he's standing in the living room of a Gentile. And he's had this vision about unclean and clean animals, and he's been told by the Spirit to go, right? So Peter, as uh, John Stott says, Peter's had these hammer blows on his heart, and now as he stands in Cornelius' house, he goes, ah, truly I see that God shows no partiality. He is completely just. He doesn't favor black. He doesn't favor white. He doesn't favor rich. He doesn't favor poor. He doesn't favor Jew. He doesn't favor Gentile. He is impartial. And then Peter says something interesting, uh, difficult, even. Uh, He says, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now, you could read that sentence as saying this. 
You don't have to know Jesus to be right with God. Just know that he's there. Do good. And God will accept you. Right? You could read it that way. You could, be, you could hear Peter saying, be religious and do good and God will accept you. But if you're going to read it that way, you just need to know that that interpretation, that reading doesn't square with what Jesus himself says. In places like John 14 where he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, it doesn't square with the rest of the books in the New Testament. And it doesn't even square within the book of Acts. The message in Acts is not be good religious people and get a pass. That's not what Peter is saying. In fact, if Peter were saying that, then why is he even in Cornelius' house? Because Cornelius was a good man. Cornelius was a religious man. And yet, clearly, God sends Peter to Cornelius because Cornelius is missing something. Cornelius needs to know about Jesus. That's why Peter has come. So, so, what, that's not, so Peter is not saying, be good and God will accept you. We talked about that last week. Peter's point, what Peter is saying, is that your nationality, your ethnicity, doesn't predispose you to God's favor. In other words, God doesn't look on different nationalities or tribes as favorable, right? Again, he is impartial. External criteria like race and religion and class and gender, they don't make you more favorable to God, right? There are no, there are no prerequisites to the kingdom of heaven. There are no prerequisites to knowing Jesus. Um, put more simply, Cornelius, what Peter is saying is that Cornelius doesn't have to become Jewish to become a Christian. Cornelius doesn't have to be circumcised to become a Christian. Cornelius doesn't have to stop eating pork to become a Christian. God shows no partiality. Anyone who fears him, which by the way, the right way to fear God begins with knowing Jesus, the one he's sent. Anyone who fears him and does what is right, he will accept. Now here's why that's so Here's why that's so crucially important. This is, this, is a, this is a huge deal, and it's hard to oversell, I think, its importance. Uh, because this is a major moment uh, when, when the good news, the word, moves beyond the boundaries of Judaism. Let's talk about those boundaries a little bit. Uh, one of my least favorite things about being a Boy Scout was having to wear my uniform in public. Because it's not like wearing a military uniform. Like, that's, you know, like that's kind of a respectable thing. Uh, like, the Boy Scout uniform, it was, it was like, hey, look at me, I'm a dork. Okay? Like, that's just, I was a Boy Scout, I can say that. I mean, we had, we had these socks, right, that, like, came up to the knee that were deep green with a little red stripe around the top. Nobody wants to wear that. At least not sane people. Uh, and so anytime we would have to go in public, like from time to time, we would go see a movie as a Boy Scout troop, and they would make us wear our uniforms. We were the only people in the movie theater wearing, like, when you're in a, when you, when you're in a Boy Scout uniform and nobody else is, right, it's clearly saying, I am different. I am set apart, right? And it wasn't a, it wasn't a good set apart. It wasn't a way that I enjoyed being set apart, right? I wanted to blend in at that moment because I was wearing green socks with red stripes. Okay, um, 
So in similar fashion, the clean laws of Judaism were designed to set Israel apart. They were designed to make her look different from the nations around her. And what's interesting and ironic, and probably should say for another sermon, is that even though they embraced those differences, in fact, those, those differences became a badge of pride for them, right? Their, their, identity, their, their identity was so rooted in those badges of pride that they actually began, they, actually, they looked down on the other nations. What's ironic about that is that those ethnic markers didn't stop them from worshiping the gods of the other nations. So they were all about the external ceremony, while at the heart level they were still far from God. But that's a different sermon. We love external, uh, and the internal is much harder. right? So anyway, uh, so for, for people like Peter, things like circumcision and clean laws, they were a part of his ethnic pride. And that's a very hard thing to lay down, because for, for Peter it was a way of saying, God loves me, and he doesn't love you. And we still do that, don't we? I mean, we don't, it's not Jewish ethnic markers, but we do the same, right? We look at the things that God has given us, our family histories, our skin color, our ambitions, whatever, and we use those things to elevate ourselves over others. And so like I did earlier, right, what, how did you fill in that blank? At least I'm not who? Who goes in that blank? And look, that's, that's in my heart too. My, my heart shows favor as well. Uh, there was a, a British pastor, a man by the name of John Bradford in the 16th century, and he is uh, rumored as having said, watching, as he watched prisoners being led away to their execution, uh, Bradford said, but for the grace of God. There goes John Bradford. That's, that's how you know when grace has gripped your heart. And not when you're looking down on people like this, but when you're able to see, say, but, but for the grace of God, there go I. That's what, that's what we want to capture our hearts. And so if God doesn't show favoritism, if there is nothing that predisposes God to love us, in fact, all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 7, God tells Israel, it's not because you're bigger and better than all the other nations that I chose you and I love you. I simply love you. If God doesn't show, if God doesn't play favorites, why do we? And if we, if we really come to know the grace of God, then really, if we, if we come to understand that God has broken down the barrier between us and him, and God has broken down in Jesus the barrier between us and them. Then we don't have to play favorites anymore. Then we begin to see those barriers in our own hearts coming down. Or we ought to. So this morning, friend, what are those barriers in your heart? What are the, what are the prejudices that God needs to bring down in your own heart and life? If you uh, grew up singing the hymn, Just As I Am, which I know where most, most of you grew up, so you probably did grow up singing that song over and over and over again. 
Um, you may have never gotten to, the, to verse number six, but in that verse, it says, Just as I am, thy love unknown has broken every barrier down. If God in his grace has broken every barrier down, then, then we, keeping in step with his grace, should aim to do the same. God shows no partiality. Instead, he sends Jesus for everyone. So let's look at this message that Peter preaches. Um, up to this point, Peter has preached mostly to Jews, uh, people who would have shared his knowledge of the Old Testament, people who understood his background and knowledge. But this is a different crowd. This is a different audience. So what kind of message does he bring to them? The answer is it's the same message. Uh, if, you look at P- if you compare this sermon with Peter's earlier sermons, it's still all about Jesus. He tells them about Jesus, right? And, and so we ought to say right here that the, the message of Christianity, though we may apply it differently depending on the context that we're in, the message of Christianity is the person and work of Jesus. It's not our politics. It's not our parenting. It's not our philosophy of schooling. Now, Jesus, following Jesus impacts your politics, it impacts your parenting, it impacts your philosophy of schooling, but that's not the message. The message of Christianity is Jesus. That's the central message, what Jesus has done. And what is that message? Look at verse 36. Jesus lives a good life. It says he's anointed by God. Excuse me, I'm sorry, that's verse 38. Let me back up to verse 36. Uh, First thing Peter says is that this word that he sent to Israel was a message of good news of peace through Jesus Christ. So the gospel comes from God to man, and it is a message of peace. And notice what he says about Jesus. Jesus is Lord of all. Not just the Jews, Jesus is Lord of all. And that would have been a radical message in Peter's day. Because you worship the gods of your tribe or your group of your country. And Peter, here's Peter saying, no, 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 Jesus has claims on everything. Jesus is Lord of all. And you know what? That's just as radical a message today. Right? The religious temper of our day is, well, that's good for you. But, you know... I'm going to go a different route. And the message of Christianity is, Jesus is Lord of all, and he brings peace to all. You can have, the, the gospel says you can have peace with God. Friend, are you at peace with God this morning? Are you angry at God? Are you wrestling with God over things maybe that have happened in your life? You blaming God? The gospel tells us that God actually comes to us and makes peace with us through his son, Jesus. How does he do that? Verse 38, he lives a good life. He's anointed by God, and he goes about doing good and healing, setting people free from the power of Satan. So Jesus lived a good life, a perfect life. But then, what happens in verse 39? It says he's killed by being hung on a tree. 
And, and Peter saying that is no accident. Uh, in Jewish law, that if you were hung on a tree, that was, that was a sign of a curse. That was a cursed death. Peter is very intentionally telling us that this good man died a cursed death. But he did it on purpose. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So in being cursed on that tree, Jesus is taking our place. And then, right, the story doesn't end there. It says, but God raised him up. God approves of Jesus' work by raising him from the dead so that he would give that new life to others. Verse 40. And then Peter begins to close, basically telling us that we have to respond to that message. He tells us in verse 42 that God has made this risen Jesus Lord, excuse me, judge of living and the dead. That everyone will have to face Jesus on the judgment seat. And remember, he's an impartial judge. There's nothing you can do to curry favor with this judge. Your connections don't matter. Your pocketbook doesn't matter. It's all level. And so the question is, what do you do? With that kind of judge. Peter tells you in verse 43. That whoever trusts. Whoever believes in the name of Jesus. Receives forgiveness of sins. That's how you get past the judge. He grants you forgiveness. In his son Jesus' name. You have to trust in the work of Jesus. And so the first question is. Do you believe that? Are you at peace with God through Jesus the Son? Have you received that forgiveness? And then if you have, and this is, this is what I want for us at Grace Fellowship, I want for us to be increasingly enamored with this message. I want us to be increasingly studying and loving the life and death and resurrection of Jesus I want us to be enamored with this message of grace so that we can share that message with others. So that we can take this gospel of peace to the ends of the earth just like they did in the, in, in the book of Acts. So God doesn't play favorites. Instead, he sends Jesus for everyone. And then finally, we see God bridge the gap. God bridges the gap. Before Peter even has a chance to finish his sermon, this would be great. This is, the, this is the kind of sermon interruption you want, right? Peter has not even landed the plane, and the Holy Spirit comes in power on his audience. The same exact thing that happened to Peter and his friends on the day of Pentecost now happens to these Gentiles. The Holy Spirit is poured out. They're speaking in tongues. They're magnifying God and what is, the, what is the response of the Jewish believers who are there? They're amazed. They're shocked. And they say, wow, God even saves Gentiles. Oh, that we would be amazed at God's grace. Because, right, no, no point in here they say, hey, Peter, man, good job. You really knocked it out of the park there, bro. No. Peter didn't even finish. It had nothing to do with Peter's gifts. It had nothing to do with his illustrations. 
It was all God's work. So the Holy Spirit was poured out, and these Gentiles who have been outside of God's promises are now brought in. Right? They now hear the good news, they believe the good news, and they receive the Holy Spirit. And then, I love this, you have a beautiful picture of the unity that Jesus purchases. Because these Jewish brothers baptize their Gentile brothers and sisters. Right? Peter says, hey, the Holy Spirit's come. We, right, baptism is that mark of initiation. It welcomes people into the community. And so Peter says, we don't have a choice. God has clearly already welcomed them in. We just need to give them the sign, right? We need to baptize them. And so what a moment, right, for these Jewish men for, for whom touching a Gentile would have been an act of, of, it would have been taboo. It would have made them unclean. But these These Jewish brothers, they take water and they baptize, they touch these unclean Gentiles in a sense to make them clean, right? To to welcome them into the family, really to acknowledge that God has made them clean, right? This This is the unity of the church that God creates, now, most of the time, and this, is, this has been a hard reality for the church to recognize, even within the Bible, Peter himself is going to get chastised by Paul later on because he forgets. Uh, he, he, he caves to some Jewish pressure. Right? So, so this kind of unity is hard for us. We, we naturally put up the boundaries. But Zach made a good point in the first service. He said that, we don't have to work for unity. Jesus has already created it. We don't, we don't have to create the unity of the church. Jesus has already created it. He's already purchased it. We now get to try to, to struggle towards it, right? We live, we, we do our best to live within it. We're not having to create it. Jesus already has. By God's grace, we get to strive towards it. May that become an increasing reality since God has bridged the gap. May we bridge the gaps in our own lives as well. And so as we said at the beginning in the call to worship, let the nations be glad. The gospel is for everyone. I hope this morning that you believe it for yourself. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for your goodness and your promise-keeping nature that even after a couple of thousand, a couple thousand years, you kept your word to Abraham and you brought blessing to the nations through Jesus the Son. May that same blessing come into our hearts this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite my, uh, my brother-in-law, Kirk Norris, up. Um, as you may know, he... Uh, um, we support the Norris family as missionaries in Ukraine, and they are getting ready to head back. And so Kirk is going to come up and talk, talk to us about uh, what's going on with them. And then we're going to sing the doxology, and then uh, Kirk is going to give the benediction. So come on up, Kirk. If you are giving this morning, the, uh, the offering plates are out in the full year. Of course, you can also give online uh, or via text as well. Thanks. Um, Kevin started with an illustration of waiting for something and wanting it badly. 
So the only reason we're still here is that we're waiting for a passport for our baby. So hopefully we will get it soon and we will be back in Ukraine within a month or two. But um, really, I just want to share a story with you guys. Uh, and I'm going to leave, let that kind of speak for itself. So two years ago, I'm in the mountains of Ukraine, which are very similar to the Appalachian Mountains. Um, we're doing our annual English camp. And I'm rooming with this young man. I don't talk to him all week. He's really quiet. We don't really interact a whole lot. We're in different subgroups during the camp. But it comes to the last night of the camp. Uh, we always have a big bonfire, and so we're all standing around the bonfire enjoying. We're teaching them how to make s'mores. You know, they've never made s'mores before, so we're cooking marshmallows. And, and it's always a really good time to kind of reflect on how the week has gone. And he's standing next to me, and I'm like, well, we haven't talked all week, but now it seems like a good time. We'll ask him how his week went. So I talked to him, and said, you know, well, does anything kind of big happen for you? Was it interesting? Were the discussions we had interesting? And we always walked through the course of the gospel over the week. And he says to me, he says, um, before I came into this week, I felt hopeless. I didn't really know where to find hope. And he said, now I realize that hope can be found in Jesus through the Bible. So fast forward two years. His name is Ruslan. He's been in and out. He's disappeared for months at a time. We don't know where he goes. <laughs> Comes back. Dozens of conversations. Lots of interactions with our church. Ends up experiencing a lot of persecution from his family for beginning to identify with us. And just this week, he finished his first seminary course. He's going to be, he's moving towards becoming a pastor in one of our churches. And he's our first ever intern with our student college ministry. And I tell his story, which is still an ongoing story, because that's why we're there. That's why we're in Ukraine, is to see people realizing that hope is found in Jesus, in Jesus alone. And to see the Ukrainian church birthing its own leaders. And believe me, he's having more conversations while we're gone with the students about grace and about love and about what it means to be a Christian in Ukrainian society than we're able to have over the course of a year. Uh, so seeing Ukrainians... Um, believing the gospel and loving their own. Um, so please pray with us as, as we're there, as we go. Whenever you see our names pop up in your bulletin or, or talk to Kevin and Rebecca, um, pray for us and pray for the people and pray for Ruslan especially who's moving towards being um, one of the future leaders of our church. So I'm thankful for you guys. Let's sing together. Um, and then I'll, I'll close this with a benediction. Let's stand together, please. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Go now with these words, a good word from God that Christians throughout the centuries have heard together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forevermore.